Hello, everyone. I am happy to be with you today, and we're going to um, talk about mental illness and really what is the church's role in those who um, experience mental illness. And my hope is that when you leave here, you have a little better understanding about um, how normal mental illness is and how common it is, um, and that any shame or stigma that you might have about that topic might get some cracks in it and also that you are feel challenged in terms of who how god wants to use you in uh, journeying with those who might be experiencing some conditions of mental illness and so we're going to start with a definition about what is mental illness and a really basic definition is it's an abnormal functioning of brain circuits that connect different parts of the brain region that control thinking, mood, and behavior. Right? So essentially what we're saying is that mental illness affects the entire person. That there is a brain component, literally a change in brain, just like any illness that you would experience, there's a change in your body that happens that causes and contributes to the illness. Right? That's, the, that's the truth for mental illness as well. And we haven't always understood that, and that's why there's such a stigma out there around mental illness that actually prevents people from stepping in and getting the care that they need and that they deserve to have. So mental illness affects the body, it affects our emotions, our thoughts, our own wills, and it affects our spirit. And we're going to demonstrate that in some biblical stories a little bit later. The other piece that I want you to understand about mental illness is that it's on a continuum. We will all experience symptoms that are consistent with mental illness symptoms throughout our life. And then on the other end of the continuum is illness that is so severe that it's totally debilitating for the person. Uh, it interferes, they can't work, they can't necessarily go to school, uh, they're on disability. So it's a, it's a really broad spectrum. And the symptoms that people have um, with mental illness are quite diverse, just like there's multiple types of cancer, there's multiple types of mental illness. And some are more severe and serious than others. So let's talk a little bit about just why this topic is important. And we're gonna cover a little bit about prevalence. And this is from the National Alliance of Mental Illness. Uh, it's a section on their website called uh, Mental Health by Numbers. It's a great resource if you wanna know more about mental health. But approximately one in five adults in the U.S. will experience mental illness in a given year. So if there's 600 of you here today, that means 120 of you will have a diagnosable mental illness this year. To just help you kind of see the realness of that, right? About one in 25 people in the U.S. will have a serious mental health issue um, in a given year that significantly interferes with, with their ability to function. And then approximately one in five youth between the ages of thir 13 and 18 experience severe mental health, right? So again, think about that continuum. Um, we're all vulnerable to mild um, symptoms of mental health issues at some point in time. And then some are unfortunately severely affected, right? Onset of mental illness is very young, right? Typically 50% of people who um, develop mental health conditions have some symptoms before the age of 14 another 25% before the age of 24. Okay, Kathy's gonna have to tell you. 
and the reason this is important, it has a profound impact. I've got some numbers up there about the impact on our culture, but more important, it has a profound impact on the person. And when we don't understand mental illness, there's a stigma and a shaming that happens that intensifies the symptoms and tends to isolate people where they feel really misunderstood and the fullness of God doesn't get to come to life in them. Uh, mood disorders are the third common reason that people are hospitalized in the United States. And that's for people 18 to 44. Mood disorders are things like depression. Suicide's the 10th leading cause of death in the US. For people 15 to 24, suicide is the second leading cause of death. 90% of people who have suicide or have attempted suicide between the ages of 18 or 18 years and younger are 90% of them actually have a mental health condition. And so, you know, we're talking that mental health conditions are literally a life and death situation. mostly that slide was just about saying that the mental health conditions again affects the whole body there's there's physical conditions like increased heart heart conditions people tend to die 25 years earlier um, than others if they have a significant mental health condition so despite the severity of it despite the commonness of mental health condition only about 41 percent of adults in the u.s get help and that's part of the stigma um, and so this is why it's great that Northwestern is doing this education week for you around disabilities, because mental illness can be a disability for people. And so to seek help, there is help and people can get better. Wanna just talk a little bit about causes of mental illness. Uh, generally, like it's a combination of things. Our research really hasn't shown us exactly what causes what yet. But we know that some people are more biologically and genetically vulnerable. So you can look at your family line, and if there's a family lineage of more intense anxiety or depression or addictive disorders or eating disorders, then you might have a higher probability of experiencing those symptoms yourself. Okay? Oftentimes, it's an interplay between what happens in our environment and what's going on genetically or biologically for us. There are also spiritual um, factors that can contribute to um, mental illness, typically not the cause of mental illness though. And so you wanna you know, hold that arena that we know that there's spiritual factors that can change a person. So we're not eliminating that, but we don't wanna just jump there. We wanna think about what are the other factors in a person's life and in their bodies that, that might be contributing. So let's talk about biblical examples of uh, specifically depression and anxiety, because they're the most common form of mental illness. And so I'm gonna read to you um, 1 Kings 19, and we're gonna talk about Elijah's experience. And Elijah um, was a prophet in the Old Testament. And Elijah, we're gonna pick up this story where he is just engaged in this great battle of our God against false gods. And there's uh, Queen Jezebel that does not like the outcome of that battle. And God showed up really, really big and really, really dramatic. And uh, essentially what happened then is Elijah's life gets threatened. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. So I'm at 1 Kings 19, uh, verse 1. So Ahab, who is Jezebel's husband, uh, told Jezebel everything that happened. And to paraphrase, essentially she said then she put a threat out to um, Elijah and said, I'm going to take your life. 
So Elijah did what most of us does. He was afraid and he fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and he slept under the broom tree. But he was, as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate, and he drank, and he lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came back and touched him again and said, Get up and eat some more, or your journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, and he ate, and he drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. So I want to break down this section um, from the, it, the concept of depression and anxiety. So the first symptom that we hear in Elijah is that he had fear. He had anxiety. And when I read through the Bible, I think that God just is saying, you know, this is kind of the nature of us as, as human beings. We will have fear and anxiety in our life. And then he goes on and gives us all kinds of instructions of what to do when we do experience that. But Elijah had fear because his life was threatened. And fear and anxiety can come from a real danger. It can also come from a perceived danger. In Elijah's case, it was real. Then he runs for his life and he starts to isolate. He, he had his servant with him. His servant was left behind in a town. Elijah went on isolating himself. And this is something that we see a lot for people who have depression and anxiety is that they start to pull away. They start to feel more comfortable being alone than with people. And so isolation becomes one of those warning signs as symptoms are intensifying. We hear Elijah praying for death. And death, praying for death or having thoughts of even taking your own life is not always a symptom of mental health. But if it's there, it's a significant symptom. And so we hear Elijah saying, I'm no better than anybody else. Just let me die. Just take my life. And in that, we hear hopelessness. And when somebody experiences hopelessness, which is also a symptom of mental condition, it tends to be that their spirits are starting to be impacted. It's hard for them to even pull on the hope of God. It's hard for them to even go before Jesus and to say, you know, I come to you and I know that you have something for me. So hopelessness is a, is a, a spiritual aspect of depression. Then there's an distortion of identity. Like he loses focus on who he is. Here's as a prophet who God has shown up really, really big for. And he's saying now I'm worthless. Right? So his thinking actually changed and his, his focus of his identity actually changed and became more negative. And we also see this happen a lot for people with depression and anxiety. That they, they don't think the same anymore. They don't see themselves the same anymore. And Elijah had that. Then hypersomnia is a sleep condition. We don't know how long he was sleeping, but we know he slept, and then he woke up, and he went back to sleep. And that it's indicating that he's sleeping more than maybe what we would typically need. Other people with mental health conditions might have trouble falling asleep, or they might have what we call interrupted sleep, where they're waking up in the middle of the night, and they can't get back to sleep for a period of time, and they toss and turn. But sleep disturbances can often be one of the symptoms of depression and anxiety. And then Elijah also feels discouraged. 
and he has low appetite. He actually needs to be encouraged to eat. And eating is something that also impacts a lot of people with mental health condition, um, where there's a lack of eating or a lack of desire to eat, or the opposite, where there's an increased desire to eat, almost eating out of an emotional state. Okay. So let's look at the rest of the story for Elijah. I'm just going to pick it up at uh, verse 10. So we got Elijah. He's now at Mount Sinai. He's in the cave. And Mount Sinai, again, is the mountain of God. So he's going to meet God. And the Lord said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Like he wouldn't know, right? Like God always knows. But he says to Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah replied, I have, a zealously, I have zealously served the Lord, God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, killed every one of your prophets. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. So God says to Elijah, go out and stand before me on the mountain. As Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, and the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And the God again asked Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah gives him the same verse. And then God gives Elijah instruction to go back the way he came, get reconnected to Elisha, and then go on and that there'll be 7,000 people who are like him. And I want to break this down in terms of how this is a healing journey for Elijah and how this story is part of who we are and who the church needs to be for people um, with mental health. So what we see here is that God was extremely patient, right? Elijah went on a journey. He sat down in a tree. He slept. He needed to be encouraged. Uh, and then he traveled for 40 days. So God was patient. He let Elijah go on this journey. We see that God sends an angel, an angel who brings him food. And the angel also gave him encouraging words. And the angel tells him that there's hope. It's not done yet. You're, you're going to have a journey. And when we're called into a journey, it means this isn't it. So Elijah's hopelessness got a um, talked to by the angel to say it's not done yet let's let's go on this journey and elijah our god says calls to elijah himself to come actually out and meet him so god meets him himself he shows up for elijah and then he whispers and i love this part of the story because remember that elijah just came from a demonstration where god showed up really big and dramatic right and he sends three big and dramatic events to Elijah, and Elijah's looking for him in the earthquake, the windstorm, the fire. But here God says, this time, I'm going to just whisper. And I love that because sometimes God shows up really big for us, but sometimes we got to get really still to hear him. And when you're struggling with depression or anxiety or any other mental health condition, it's hard to tune in. It's hard to tune into human beings, much less to tune into what God is saying. And I love that here where he's just saying to Elijah, keep looking for me. Don't give up. But don't forget to still yourself and listen for my soft, gentle voice. 
And then he allows Elijah to tell his story, not just once, but twice. And that is so common for people who are struggling with symptoms of mental health conditions like depression and anxiety. There's a need to tell the story. And it's oftentimes a need to tell it more than one time. Then he directs him, he gives him instruction on how to get reconnected to people. And then he, re and he uh, reconnects and then he restores him. So we're going to think about a little bit, how are we like Elijah? Remember, one out of five people experience mental health conditions in, in a year. It means approximately 120 of you will experience a mental health condition this year, which means some of you are already there. Okay? And I just want you to hear that, that is, there's normalcy to that. Um, and I just want to ask you to think about just dropping any shame that might be around that. Um, that there is hope, there is treatment. Northwestern has services available to help you get connected. But I want to just encourage you to do a self-assessment. Am I there? Is, that, is this my season? Is, have I already been there? Am I out of that season? How am I like Elijah? And to know that Elijah was a prophet in the church. Like he was, he was the prophet at that time. And he still went through an experience where he was in darkness and hopelessness and wanted his life to end. Okay. So we can all go there. It's not about there's something wrong with me. It, just, it happens. And so when we can name it, then we can go on the journey like Elijah for healing. I'd also have you think about how are you an angel? I think God calls us into being an angel for people. And just like he sent the angel to Elijah around um, bringing food and then words of encouragement, how is he using you? What is, what is God putting on your heart in terms of calling you to be an angel for somebody in your life who maybe is experiencing some depression, some anxiety? It can get frustrating because maybe that person in your life wants to withdraw. Maybe when you talk to them, they get irritable. They don't want your help. Um, their shame is pushing you away or the illness is pushing you away. So how, how might you still partner with God to say, how can I encourage them? How can I bring them a meal per se? And that might literally be food. It might be a text message. It might be an email. Um, it might be a phone call or it might be an invite. Um, so God calls us to be angels for him. So I would ask you to, to partner with him. Okay. And then the last one is God. And I don't mean how are you, God. I mean how can you represent God? And if we break down the story of Elijah, we see that God showed up in many ways. He was patient. He sent angels, right? He journeyed with him. He called Elijah out. So just like the angel, we can take how God showed up for Elijah and say, God, how do you want me to do that? How do you want me to be that person for my roommate, for my family member, for the student who sits across from me in class? Like, can you show me, God, somebody who needs to see your light because they're in a season of darkness? And when you have a mental health condition, it does feel like you're in darkness. It's hard to see the hope in the light of God. 
the other thing that I want to highlight here is not only what did God do for Elijah, but what did he not do? One thing that stands out for me here that I have heard from people, and especially as I've worked with clients over the years where they've gone to the church and they've had bad experiences, is that they've been told things such as, you're not praying hard enough. This is, this is the enemy, and you, know, you, you have an evil spirit, and it needs to be cast out of you. Or this is sinful. What kind of sin have you committed that God would bring up this upon you? And we don't want to minimize. We know that we're vulnerable to things like that. But I, want, I challenge you to really separate those from a condition of mental health, to not jump there, but instead to be that angel to be like God and show up with people. God did not judge Elijah in here. In no, none of the verses about this story do we hear condemnation. Do we hear anything that's about shaming behavior? Right? Instead, we just hear coming alongside people, letting them tell their story, providing nourishment for them. And nourishment is time, it's attention, it's encouragement, it's literally food. Sometimes getting out and going for a walk is nourishment for the body, giving a fresh perspective. And so I just would have you sit for a moment and ask yourself, what season are you in? Are you in an Elijah season? If so, what is God saying to you as your next step? Are you connected to the people he wants you to be connected to? Is there counseling sessions at campus that you're tapping into? Are there friends and peers that instead of isolating from that you could reach out to? If you're in an angel season, if you feel like, wow, I'm doing pretty well here. I feel hopeful. I have joy. I have energy. I can focus and concentrate. Then the question might be, God, how do you, how do you want to use me as an angel for somebody who's in an Elijah season? Show me if there's somebody in my life that is experiencing a season like that. And who do you want me to be for them? Do you want me to just pray? You know, never underestimate the power of prayer from afar. Right? Do you want me to bring them a meal? Do you want me to walk with them to class? What, what is it, God? So I'm just going to give you a moment to just check inside and see which season you're in. And then what's your next step? Before I start into prayer, I just want to know that Justin is going to come up and release you after prayer, so um, don't leave before you hear from Justin. So dear Heavenly Father, we just, um, we just ask that you would open our hearts, our minds, and our souls, or that we would see the truth about darkness as mental illness. Lord, I ask that you would bless each student and faculty member here today. Lord, that you would equip them with truth. That you would empower their words to be a blessing to those who are struggling. Lord, I pray for those who are experiencing an Elijah season. I ask, Lord, that you would show them who you are for them in this season. That they would feel your presence. That they would know that they're not alone despite what their earthly experience is at this time. Lord, we just speak your truth and your hope that you've given us through Jesus into the lives of everyone here. 
and I say thank you, God, for your word, that your word would normalize our experience on earth, that there is no shame when we're in a lively season. So, Lord, we just turn this over to you, and we just thank you for being a God that we can come to. In Jesus' name.